This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today, today, everybody, we are going to take a trip down a not so fun road, but it's a powerful episode and it's a story that needs to be told. So sit back, grab a cocktail and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh, no, she didn't. All right. I want to start off with a blanket trigger warning for this episode. We are talking about a story with a lot of domestic violence, emotional abuse, narcissistic abuse. We've done episodes on domestic violence before in the past in a few of our seasons so far, but I feel like this is a topic and an issue that is never going to feel finished to me. It's such a problem in our world, and it was drastically heightened by the pandemic. So I feel like bringing on different types of stories and situations is really important for not only those who are going through it, which might, I hope is not you and might not be you or have been through it, but for people who might have friends or loved ones going through it as well, what are some things we can do to support these individuals? And just bringing awareness to these stories, I think, is really, really important. So when I found Persia Bella on TikTok, because where else do you meet people nowadays? I started going through and looking at her content. And she just had such a presence about her. And her story really captivated me. And I knew I wanted to bring her on to kind of open up and share her, her journey with being in a toxic relationship, being in a violent relationship, and being able to eventually get out of it and the healing that she's done on the other end of it. So here we go. We're going to get into it. It gets a little heavy at times, but she's also absolutely wonderful and keeps it light and entertaining all at the same time. So let's welcome Persia to the show. Persia Bella, welcome to FML Talk. I'm so happy you're here. You guys can't see me, but I am bowing down to the queen right here. I'm so happy to be here. You're so sweet. I came across your TikTok and it was one of those moments where I started seeing your videos consistently and then saw the little like follows you. And I was like, oh my God, she follows me. Great. And I was so stoked because your content is so great. Like the stuff you put out is so light, but on heavy topics, but you make it this like accessible kind of like fun energy with it. And I just like fell in love with your story, girl. Oh, well, it's crazy that you say that. And that means so much to me because 
when I started following you, I saw you walking down the beach and you had this beautiful, it was so beautifully said. And I just remember I was bawling Mm. when I was watching it. And I immediately followed you and I got your book and I started reading it. And, you know, I went to, you know, that show Big Little Lies. Yeah. Which is based around domestic violence. Yeah. That was a very touching show for me. So when I went there, I went down the beach and I was like, I have to do this walk Mm. with Gabrielle's voice. Oh, and I then love it, that. I, and it was just and that video, you know, went pretty viral too. Yeah. Not as big as yours, of course. But it was just oh, like it I was such that. a big moment for me. And I was just like, wow, I'm I've made it to that point. Because when I initially looked at it, I was like, I want to be where she is. Like, look, oh. look at her. And you're such an inspiration. And for you to even message me to be here is so I'm so grateful. Oh, Thank you. I'm so touched. Thank you for that. I just think the way you carry yourself and portray yourself is so beautiful. And I can't wait to dig into your story. So I want to like preface everybody with a trigger warning. We're going to be talking about some pretty heavy domestic violence stuff today. Why don't you start kind of like telling me how you ended up in the relationship with your, at the time, significant other? Well, uh, you know, I was friends with his sister at the time. We were really good friends at the time. And he had a crush on me. and. I didn't really look at him like that, to be honest with you. He wasn't really my type, Mm. right? But, you know, he kept being persistent and he tried. And then eventually we got together and everything moved really fast. Like we moved in together within like a few months. Mm. He was very charming. He's very sweet. And then eventually I started to see little signs of anger issues. And, you know... I thought it was just like, oh, okay, well, maybe I could show him the way. Like, let me help him. Let me fix him. Let me fix him. Yeah, every woman's downfall. (laughs) Right, right, right. So that's what I did. And eventually that, you know, bit me in my ass. But yeah, it was like a six-year relationship. And it started off with just like verbal, Mm. right? So it was verbal abuse, emotional abuse. And then it got to the physical. Had you ever been in a physically abusive relationship before this? No. Not at all. So when, because I, I've I've had people on this show before who say, you know, I never thought I would be the person that would end up in an emotionally or physically abusive relationship. And then you wake up one day and you're in it. Absolutely. I You know what I think? People think like you have to grow up in a certain lifestyle or, you know, to be a certain race or I think it doesn't have any discrimination. Like, mm. It doesn't. Anybody could go through it. You're not immune from being in the situation. Right. You know, I come from a two-parent household. I went to a great school. I had great friends around me and great family and support. And I still ended up in the situation. Right. You know, domestic violence doesn't discriminate against anyone. And yeah, I never thought I would be in that situation, but I, I ended up in that situation. Yeah. Can you walk me through the first time it moved from emotional abuse and verbal abuse to physical abuse and what that was like. So the first time, you know, initially he would throw things and break things. And, you know, that's how it starts off when they start throwing things and breaking things. And then what happens next? It comes your next. Right. right? Like punching walls. and Right. right. He he broke the TV. And uh, I remember his mother walked into the room and was like, what did you do? Mm. I was like, he punched the TV. He has anger issues. Right. But, you know, they they normalized it. That's the people I was around. They normalized that kind of behavior. Oh, when I get mad, I throw things too. Like, yeah, that's not normal. Right. That's not okay. Right. But that was what I was around. 
summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. And I wasn't telling anybody, you know, I was just between him, his mother, his father and sister. Those are the people I ran to. And they grew up in a toxic, abusive household. So it was very normal for them. His parents were abusive to each other. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was. I mean, I never saw the physical abuse. I heard of the physical abuse Mm -hmm. from both his sister and, you know, my ex. But verbal and emotional abuse, I saw it one time. I was so uncomfortable and I left. And I remember she called me and she was like, he ever come on to you? Why did you stop coming over here? And I was like, no, it's just I just felt uncomfortable from the. She last asked time. if his, if her husband came on to you, yes. his father. Oh wow! Like there's so much to just unpack in that sense. Well, yeah, <laughs> he, he cheated on her physically, emotionally, all kinds of abuse her. She's a battered woman herself, right? Um, for over 26 years until he ended up in another relationship. Right. So he grew up in a household watching his parents be physically abusive. And that's like the age old thing of, you know, when you grow up either with abuse in your house or addiction in your house, you're eventually going to get to a fork in the road where it's like, am I going to repeat that pattern? Or am I going to go extremely opposite way and like never drink, never do drugs, never, like never raise my voice? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's what it happened. Like either you become the complete opposite and you do better or you just perpetuate what you saw. And that's what he did. Yeah. So take me through that first time that he ever physically. So we were in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I remember he was being, you know, everybody was drinking with his friends. It was like a group of three couples. And we were at this club at Tao. Oh, I know. I know it too well. It was on my 21st birthday. (laughs) Hello. Uh (laughs) Yeah. So we were there. And I just remember him being very Mm touchy-feely with other women right in front of me. And it was just kind of like... uh, his hand would be in a suggestive space. You know, mm-hmm. we all know like your hand is not supposed to be below like the mid person of a, on their back. And it was just like on the lower end, yeah. kind of right above the ass. And I was like, hey, you're being a little too touchy feely. Can you, you know, it doesn't. And you guys were in a relationship at this point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I just addressed him. He got so furious that I even said anything. And I just remember him. And I was just like, you know what? I'm out of here. Like, I don't have to deal with I don't have to deal with this. And he got mad. And I just remember kind of just walking away. He grabbed my wrist and I was like, let go. And I just like, I think I moved my arm or something. And then he got mad and he choked me. In the club? In the club. And my head hit the wall. 
I'll never forget. My head was hurting that whole night. And were the people that you were with like witnessing this? So the people that we were with, I don't even know where they were at at this point. But there were people in the club who saw him do this to me. And I just remember storming out of there crying. And I was just like, what the fuck? And as I'm going to the taxi line, people are watching me crying and like upset. And he's like following me out. He's like, stop crying. Stop your fucking tears. And And had you guys been drinking? Not yeah, that that's an I excuse. mean, I'm just yeah. trying to paint the picture. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and he was just like, and I just remember nobody asked me, like, "Are you okay?" And like, mm. do you? No one asked me. They were just staring. Yeah. It was very awkward. So anyway, we got back to the hotel. I was like, "I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'm going back to LA." And he was like, "No, you're not going anywhere." And I just remember trying to grab my suitcase, and I he I don't know what happened, but somehow I got pushed to the floor. And I was just like, you just pushed me. He's like, that was an accident. I was like, no, you pushed me. I was like, and I just remember sitting there crying. And I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. I did not tell a soul. Mm. I didn't tell him. He woke up the next day and he cried. Like, he didn't cry. He was like, he seemed very remorseful. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm sorry. I had drinks in me and this and how it'll never happen again. Right. Did you feel like you didn't want to say anything because you were ashamed of what had happened or was it to protect him? Both. Yeah. Both. Absolutely both. Yeah. And so that was the first time that it ever happened. And then how did it become a pattern? Like when did it start happening more and more? So we got to a space where we're about to break up and then I got pregnant. Mm. And he was like, you know, we're supposed to be together. This is a sign. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be good to you. I'm going to, you know, all these, you know, selling, selling me the dream, right? Right. Because uh, they're good talkers, right? Yeah. So. When you say they, are you I mean, narcissistic I was going to say, yeah. yeah. It's like, let's just say the yeah, word. <laughs> you, know, the, you know, the narcs. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, and then I was just like, okay, fine. And, you know, at the time, you know, I come from a very, you know, kind of traditional household and. You know, at first my thought, like, oh, my God, my dad's going to be so disappointed, my mom. And then I told my mom and I was, my mom was like, you know, I've been wanting a baby boy. This is right. When, I was like, how do you know it's a boy? Mm. But she was right, actually. So I got her approval. And obviously they didn't know any of the toxic things that were happening. So, yeah, eventually around like I got to five months and he he proposed to me. And during the pregnancy, he wasn't physically abusive towards me he was probably the nicest in that term but he still was doing things that were not right and Mm. I was still crying and I was pregnant I would stay up pregnant three to four o'clock in the morning he wouldn't be home oh and when I answer my calls doing things yeah was he cheating I mean I'm he was cheating before Mm. because he got caught yeah and of course he would always deny it but eventually right after I had our son he was like, I want to say he was definitely less than a year old. And then he got caught cheating. So I addressed him and I was like, what is this? And he was like, you're going through my stuff, my privacy, this and that. And I was just like, no, who is this girl? I like can't deal when men get caught or whoever, like people get caught doing right. things and you're like showing them the fucking phone. Like, what the fuck is this? 
and the audacity to be like, you're going through my private shit. Like, bro, you're in my private vagina and fucking someone else at the same time. Like, that doesn't, like, I'm sorry, your privacy doesn't mean shit at that point. If you find something, that is not a good excuse for any people that are listening. Like, don't have that be your defense. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. The the deflection of that, Mm -hmm. just to just spin it right back on you, this to shift the blame on you is absolutely and we call that gaslighting (laughs) gaslighting absolutely yeah so he did that and I was just like and I just remember I raised my voice I don't even remember exactly what I said but he got so mad that I raised my voice like I said I don't know how this happened in chronological order because it happened so fast but he definitely covered my mouth and told me to like shut the fuck up he grabbed my wrist he grabbed my arm he pulled me down to the floor by my hair. He definitely choked me before that too. Before I got dragged down to the floor, he choked me. Like I said, it was in that moment when I got dragged down to the floor by my hair, I was like panicking. Like I was crying so hard. Mm. And his sister was lived in the back of the building. So I called her immediately. She came and she saw like the blood in my arm. She saw my neck. I told her, I was like, he just dragged me down by my hair. And he's like, no, I didn't. I didn't do any. I was just like, are you serious? And in that moment, I was just like, dude, did you just black out? Or are you are you gaslighting me right now? Like, I didn't even know. I'm like, are you that angry to where you didn't even realize what you just did to me? Because that's fucking scary. Yeah. It's like, what's worse at that point? Like you lying about it or you not? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so in that moment, I was just like, what? I was like, are you serious right now? And then she, you know, at the time she was like, apologize to her, apologize to her right now. He's like, I'm not fucking apologizing. You know, it was just a very crazy time. And I I couldn't believe that that had happened with my son in the room in his playpen. And oh, that happened in front of your son. Yeah. Our son was in the room. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if he saw it because obviously I wasn't looking while all that stuff was happening. Um, but, you know, kids feel your energy. They oh, know when yeah. something's happening and they, they get frustrated. They cry. They get upset. Yeah. So I remember I stormed into my son's room and I was just like trying to calm myself down. And I came back out and I remember his sister looked at me. She's like, your neck got more red. Did you just do something to your neck? And I just remember I said, get the hell out. I was like, this just happened to me. Like if my neck is getting more red, it's because it's obviously it just happened. And my right. skin is reacting to what your brother did to me. Like, how dare you? But, like, how, like, the thought process that someone has to have to be like, oh, she was just physically assaulted. She must have gone into the bathroom, made it look worse. For what? Why would I do that? Like, you don't need to make it look worse. It's already fucking bad. It's bad. It's horrible. Yeah. Exactly. And I just remember that day he, like, stormed out. And I remember she was like, I'll talk to him. And he didn't apologize right away. He, He eventually apologized and said the same thing. I won't do it again. So why can you explain it for people that are listening? Because so many times people are like, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? A lot of times that has to do with like financial reasons that has to do with you're so wrapped up in the narcissist that you can't break away. But what was it for you that you didn't leave all of the years that this kept happening? Right. So that's a very good question. And I think a lot of times when people are not in the situation, they don't they don't understand. Like, mm-hmm. why would you stay? Why wouldn't you leave? And it's like they don't understand that if there's a trauma bond that happens, mm-hmm. you get bonded through someone through traumatic experiences. And I know it's hard to grasp for people who haven't experienced that, but it's a real thing. 
So you stick around. And another reason why I stuck around is because, I, you know, I, I was ashamed. Mm. I didn't want to have a broken family. Mm. I didn't want to be scared. I, I was all these things. I, it wasn't just one thing. It was a, a lot of things that I was feeling. So to be in that space, it's hard to get out. Even with just the trauma bond alone, like, right. it's hard to get out. Right. Because you're waiting for like, you do have your good moments with them, right? Sure. But they're they're very far in between, right? So you want you wait for those moments. You wait for those highs. It's almost like an addiction. Yeah. It is an addiction. You become yeah, addicted to Yeah, you're waiting for the, that next hit. Exactly. Absolutely. And they start breadcrumbing you. And that's what it became. And it became really hard to get out. And I wasn't telling anybody. Mm. The only people that were that knew were his immediate family. And they weren't normalizing it. So that became my environment. Yeah. And what's your background? Where are your parents from? My parents are from the Middle East where, you know, we were all born. I was actually, I came from Iran myself oh, really? when I was four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So was there fear about not wanting to disappoint them as far as like once you get married and have a child, like you should be together? and Right. Yeah. So luckily we never got married. Thank God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was obviously one of the things, you know, my parents are married. They've been married for like 40 years and I just didn't want to be that broken household. Mm. And that was one of the things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what was it? that finally like what was the straw that broke the camel's back when you were like oh my god I can't be in this situation anymore so there's two parts to that so the cheating part Mm -hmm. was like you know I caught him cheating on his apple watch with seven different women this might be a little information for you guys I don't know (laughs) for the ladies so I think people think that when you delete on your iPhone, like if let's say if you delete certain conversations or certain messages, that it syndicates on your Apple Watch, but it doesn't. Mm. So <laughs> the Apple Watch was out and I got to it somehow. And I saw seven different women in this phone. And I just remember I was crying and I was like, how could you do this to me? You're not just disrespecting me or disrespecting your son. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you this way? And I, I think I cried for like a whole day. It was bad. So in that moment, all of a sudden, let's go to therapy. Let's fix this. Let's, you know, I've been saying let's go to therapy for so long. All of a sudden you want to go to therapy when you get caught cheating. Interesting. So there's no real initiative really trying to change. You just want to kind of like, you know, glaze it up a little bit, but you're going to revert back to who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I was just like, okay, let's go to therapy. Remember therapy, he gassed at me, manipulated me and said, oh, we don't have sex enough. And I'm like, "Okay, well, oh, my God, why is that always the fucking thing? Like, I'm going to physically assault you. I'm going to verbally assault you. I'm going to cheat on you. But like, it's your fault because we don't have sex enough. Right. That's that's like the same shit my ex-husband threw at me in therapy, too. It was like, well, we don't have sex enough. It's like, that's not the fucking answer to everybody's fucking issues, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was so funny because I'll never forget that there. And I was like, okay, well, you say that. How about when we were having sex like three to five times a day, five to six times a week? You were still cheating then. So what's the problem? Wait, I'm sorry. Three to five times a day? My drive can be really high sometimes. But I cannot. (laughs) Who has time? 
what the fuck? <laughs> no, 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 no. We have to discuss this. Who has time, like not even the drive, who has yes. time to have sex three to five times a day and then still go seek it out from fucking that's, other women? What? Yes. Like exactly. you need help, sir. Absolutely. And that's when I realized <laughs> the problem is bigger than me. And I remember I sat there and I'll never forget the therapist turned her whole body and looked at him and said, well, what do you have to say about that? And he, it, he was silenced because it's like we're over here having sex one to two times a week. And this is after I just had a kid. Right. After you're still getting caught cheating and I'm still right. having sex with you. You're lucky I'm even looking at you. Oh, my God. And then it's like, yeah, but you were still doing that in the beginning of the relationship when you, you were. Yeah. Yeah. So getting what's, it all what's the, the answer? Right. I was like, I think there's a sex addiction problem here. Come to find out I was right. Mm. But. OK, so you guys go to therapy. <laughs> Does anything that, change? Nothing changes. He hates every therapist, obviously. Well, this yeah, because everyone's like fucking showing him the mirror himself. And exactly. he's like, oh, wait, I'm the problem. It's me. I'm the problem. Right. Wow, exactly. <laughs> and so he eventually says, I, you know, I just need to take a break. And I was like, I don't believe in breaks. Let's break up. He's like, no, I'm going to do all this and do that and be a better person for our family. And I was just like, whatever, get out. So he moves back in with his mom. And then I find out he's doing all the fine condoms. I find I even found a card for Planned Parenthood. You know, they have like this green card. And I was like, seriously, you went to so get a card for Planned Parenthood? He's like, it's not. I just for went. what? He's reason? like, I went with my with my friend. He had to go. And he, I was like, so you two had to hold each other's hand to go. I was like, you really think I was born yesterday? Right. So he just was being clearly a fuck boy the yeah. whole time. And it just got to the point where I remember it was a holiday party. He had just gotten his license and he was like going his, to his license, like real, realty. Yeah. Realty. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I'm a real estate agent too. And he had just gotten his, and you know, when you, there's holiday parties, you take your significant other. He had no desire to take me, no interest. And I was like, that's strange. Like mm -hmm. when you hiding, right? Like you're hiding me. And it was just, and I remember that, the week before I was praying and I was like, if he's not meant for me, please remove him out of my life. Please give me the strength, the courage and put me on the path that I need to be on. Mm -hmm. Not even a week later, we got into an argument about this whole holiday party thing. And he was like, I'm out of here. And I was like, remember, it's like, you're not allowed back into this place. We're not together. We're done. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I think he thought I was playing when he tried to come back. And I was like, I said, I was done. Mm -hmm. We're done. And that was like December 2018. Mm. Yeah. And then, of course, all, a whole bunch of stories and everybody telling me what he was doing and all these things. I'm just like, I was so over it. By the time he was like trying to come back and I was like disgusted before I would cry. And I'm just like, at, at that point, I was so checked out. I was like, I laughed. Mm -hmm. I laughed at the stories that I heard. So when was it that you decided to tell your family what was going on? So that didn't happen until April of 2020. Okay, so what what took place between when you guys broke up in 2018 to 2020? So I thought like, okay, we're I'm single now. Like I can live my life. Mm -hmm. I can do things that I want to do. And no, it seemed like the more I tried to live my life, the more boundaries I tried to put up because, you know, narcissistic people, they don't like boundaries. They don't yeah. respect boundaries. They don't know what they are. They hate them. Mm -hmm. The more I tried to do that, the more pushback I got. The more I stood up for myself, the more he put hands on me. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you how many times he's choked me. After you guys broke up? Yes, absolutely. Mm. And like choked me, pushed me, hit me against the wall, pushed me to the floor, key to my neck, whipped me, beat me with wired headphones. That was probably the worst. Oh, one. my God. 
Oh, it was horrible. Like I couldn't, like I bruised up and I was purple within five minutes and I had blood. That's oh how bad God. it was. And he did it in front of our son. Mm. Yeah, it was horrible. I mean, my son would even say like, don't hit mommy. Stop hitting mommy. Oh my God, that's so fucking traumatic. So traumatic. And, you know, luckily I got out while my son is young. Yeah. And, you know, my son had nightmares. When I first took him out of like the situation, I got a restraining order in April of 2020. Mm -hmm. I finally got and that was like the height of when it was like so difficult to do anything. Exactly. Exactly. So like one of the biggest tools that an abuser has is isolation. Mm -hmm. And we're in the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. what do we have to do? We have to what? Isolate. Right. So it was a very hard time. And I, you know, Domestic violence rates went skyrocketed yeah. during that time. Yep. And I had enough. And I just reached out. I just remember the last time he was being irresponsible, going to parties, and I hadn't seen my family, hadn't seen anybody. And I found out he lied and went to a birthday party during the beginning of the pandemic. And I have mm-hmm. a child. We have a child. Yeah. And I was like, do you do not? We don't know at that point yeah. what it's capable of doing. And it was just scary. And I was just like, leave, like, just go. And he was like, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere, you fucking loser. And that's what that was his favorite thing to say to me. Right. Jesus. Yeah. A man who, quote unquote, man who puts hands on women and puts women down all day. He's a whole misogynistic person. But yeah, called me that every chance he got. And I was just like, you know what? You can leave. And Mm -hmm. he wouldn't listen to me. He would laugh. This is my space. Yeah. And I remember I grabbed his gym bag Mm -hmm. and I placed it outside. Mm. He got furious. He ran like he didn't run outside. He like walked outside to grab it. And I tried to close the door. So I'm like, dude, just leave. He obviously he's almost like 200 pounds. That's no comparison to my weight. Mm -hmm. So he charges me and I'm like walking backwards at this point. He charges me and he chokes me. It's like, you stupid fucking bitch. And uh, and then at that point, I start screaming. And the door's kind of opening. So he's, like, running to the door to close it so no one hears me. Mm-hmm. And at this point, like, I'm just, like, screaming because I want someone to hear me. Right. So he charges me again. And I, I remember I sit up on my tippy toes and I was like, don't fucking touch me. And I think, like, he just kind of, like, like, had to scream to the top of my lungs because mm-hmm. I didn't know what else to do. Like, I was scared. Yeah. And I was like, you know, anything can happen. It, it takes one step, one push, one wrong thing, hit. Yep. wrong hit. And I, God forbid, I could be done. Yeah. And I just remember I called his mother and I was like, hey, your son just put hands on me again. He's toxic. She was like, toxic? Why are you calling him? And I was like, because that's what he is. She was like, well, did you start the argument? And I was like, are you serious right now? Unbelievable. I was like, so are you saying that I deserve to get choked? She was like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. And I was like, well, that's what it sounds like you're saying. And she was just like, no, 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 no. Uh, I'll tell him to leave, I guess. She called him and he was right there and he was screaming to the top of his lungs. Okay, if I leave, you guys make sure that you never talk to this bitch cunt ever again in front of my my son. In front of our son, just calling me a bitch cunt. This fucking bitch over and over and over, like a broken record. And I was just like, just leave. Like, why do you even want to be in this space? Right. And he just wouldn't leave. And then finally he left. And then his mother called me and he was like, hey, I'm going to come pick up your son tomorrow and drop him off at his dad's house. I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) Like, what? 
he just abused me. He yeah. just did all this. He's been out and about. It's COVID. Yeah. And no. And she was like, you can't keep him from. I was like, I've never kept him from our son ever. And I was like, but this is not up for discussion. Yeah. And she was just like, okay, well, I'll get a lawyer. I was like thinking to myself, like, lady, your son has been putting hands on me for years and yeah. you know about it. You actually told me not to tell my family because it's a bad idea. Right. How dare you? But that's the scare tactic that narcissistic yeah. people do, right? Yeah. And then she was like, just come to my house. Just come to my house. And, and like, she just wanted to shut me up. Yeah. Right? That wasn't going to happen. At that point, like, I reached out to his sister. Sister was like, what happened now? Okay, let me call him. Very monotone. His dad texts him, your son put hands on me again. I don't know why I went to the ringleader right, of the like abuser. Yeah, really cares. they don't care. Yeah, and then he said, "Oh, he responded an hour later. Hey, he told me that you strangled yourself." Unbelievable. And I'm like, "Really? Who even does that? Why would I do that?" So that was the point where you were like, "Okay, fuck this. I'm getting a restraining order." That was the point where I cried out. I reached out to a friend at the time, and they called my family, and my they were there in like 15 minutes. Grabbed mm -hmm. whatever I could, and I was out. Yeah. And I reached out. My sister is a lawyer. She's not a family lawyer, but she connected me to a family lawyer. Mm -hmm. And I wrote 30 pages of my declaration with wow. evidence. And I emailed myself. So a lot of people don't think to do anything while all these things are happening. One of the things that helped me is documenting. And I would email myself to two different emails. Mm. So it would be fresh in my mind. Because when traumatic things like that happen, yeah. You don't always remember the details. You don't always remember what happened. So when I had to actually sit down and write that 30-page paper mm -hmm. or declaration of what happened, I was shocked myself. I was like, wow, I can't believe I this happened. I right. almost forgot about this incident. Mm -hmm. So document. If you are not able to tell anybody or if you can't tell anybody or if you don't have the resources, or, there are resources that I will talk about later coming up. But Email yourself. Yeah. Email, pictures. email, email, take pictures, write down what happened. Mm -hmm. Because till this day, I promise you, if someone asked him, did you ever put hands on her? He would lie. Right. He would lie about it. Right. He would lie till this day. He tried to lie to court, but that wasn't obviously. They gave me full custody and a restraining order. Good. Immediately. Great. Oh, yeah. my God. So once you finally got out, got the restraining order, got custody, how did you even like begin your healing process? It was extremely hard. I remember when I got the restraining order, he had actually came to my house when he was supposed to get served. And it was this crazy ordeal. His whole family showed up. It's like, what are you guys showing up to my family's house for? Mm -hmm. What are you guys thinking you're going to do? Take my son? Are you kidding? Right. And I just remember the cops came and in that moment, I still didn't even want him to get arrested because I was just like, he's been in prison before. He's been in the system. And I'm just like, I don't believe that prison is going to make him a better person. I don't. And yeah, sometimes I I definitely had thoughts about pressing charges. And, you know, most people in my life would say you should have, but I didn't. I just took the route of taking me and my son out of the situation, mm -hmm. which has been very, very good for us. Got it back into therapy. It got my son into therapy and I started doing techniques with him and I saw that his nightmares and everything, he would have nightmares of his dad kicking me. Oh my God, dude. So it does affect the kids. It oh does, my God. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's so devastating to, I mean, yeah. And good for you for getting him into therapy, like to yeah. start undoing that at such a young age. Right. Thank you. And the first couple of weeks I couldn't eat, I lost a lot of weight. 
you know, doing something right for yourself doesn't feel right. Right. Because especially so long you've been in that trauma, like trauma circle. Right. So when you're in that kind of narcissistic, abusive relationship, if you do anything for yourself that is right, you feel guilty. Mm. So I feel guilty. And it was hard. I couldn't eat. I was anxious. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep for years. But it was hard at first. And I started to do my walks in the mornings. And I just indulged in books and therapy. Mm. And when I say that I did a complete 180, and like sometimes people ask me, like, how long did it take you? Like, I don't think there's a timeline. No. You know, everybody has a different timeline, but it's just like you have to do the work. You have to start like journaling Mm -hmm. and like meditating. And that's like meditating, journaling, doing my walks. Because I wasn't in the space where I was like, I want to go work out. I didn't want to work out. I was, I lost a lot of weight. So I'm just going to go on my morning walks and I would go walk. Yeah. And listen to books. Mm. And, you know, reading a lot of books that helped me. And it's just like, even reading your book during that time where I was like, wow. And it was just so crazy. Like as I was listening to your book in my audible, because that's what I love to do. I was like, yeah, girl, like me too. Oh, I can't believe, yeah, he's gaslighting you. I felt like I was like on the phone with you. And it was just, that's what I love about your book. It was just, it's so easy to relate to on so many different levels. And it really helped me in so many ways that you don't know. And I, I really appreciate that you are so vulnerable and so open to sharing your story with the world yeah. because you're you're changing so many people's lives and you've impacted so many and you've impacted my life too. And thank, thank you, you, girl. That's so sweet. And it's so amazing to be included with your healing journey because like I hear all of the horrible things that you were stuck in and now to see where you are now in what I feel is such a short period of time for a healing journey that, you know, after such a long, toxic time in your life. So to be included with some of what got you through that is really amazing. So thank you. Thank you. What can you tell people listening who are in any type, like whether it's physical, emotional, verbal, abusive relationship, like what are some resources that they can get as far as trying to seek some help? If you are dealing with someone who's verbally, mentally, emotionally, psychologically abusing you, I would suggest, like I said earlier, which is documenting. Mm -hmm. If you cannot tell someone, I would suggest if you can tell someone. If you haven't seen Big Little Lies, watch it, please. Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the reasons why I started to open and start telling people. Right. So if that can give you some kind of encouragement, please watch that show and document. Yeah. And there are resources that you can reach out to. You know, the National Domestic Hotline, that's 24 hours. They get 20,000 calls like daily. Unbelievable. I know. It's, it's really, mm. you know, it's like a, while the pandemic is, it's like a silent pandemic, you know, it's, it's a big problem. And you can reach them at 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. And for a list of available shelters, victims can visit womenslaw.org for a state-by-state directory. There's so many resources. Honestly, in my position, I was, I'm very blessed to have a very good support system. My family, if you can tell your family. And if you're on the opposite end of that, like if you feel like your friend or family member, sister, brother, whoever might be dealing with something like this, please be sensitive because Mm -hmm. one word up or up or down can make them actually stay longer. Right. 
you know, just kind of like be patient with them. It's hard to be in the space of, and I know you don't understand, like, how could they be? You just want to shake them, like, get out of this head space. Mm -hmm. But just be patient and just listen. Sometimes we just need someone to listen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think I, with my friends, not that anyone's dealing with this type of abuse, but, you know, toxic relationships, my friends that have gone through them usually come to me for obvious reasons. And I feel like sometimes I've been too quick to be like, just fucking leave. Like, of course you can like point out the disrespect and like, a lot of times they see that and they're like, right. yeah, I know. I know what this is. It's clear as fucking day. I'm not lying to myself anymore, but I don't know why I can't let go and leave. And sometimes I feel like I've been too quick to be like, what the fuck? Just like, let me help you leave because I've been through it and gotten out, but don't remember how long necessarily it took me to make those decisions and finally right. break away. So I think that's so important that you said that to be patient with people. And really be sensitive that it's not necessarily as black and white as we would like it to be. Exactly. So just once again, just be patient and be kind. Because I know that there's been times where I tried to open up to a friend. Mm -hmm. and they would say something like very harsh and very just kind of, like you know, jarring. when you're in that space, your self-esteem and confidence is really low. Mm. So if someone's being extra harsh to you, you go back into a shell. Right. And I remember specifically one person in particular said something to me and I went into a deeper shell. So I actually stayed longer. Mm. Oof, that's devastating. When did you decide to open up so publicly about your story online? And was there any blowback from your ex or his family? So interestingly enough, I started to do TikTok like most people during the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? I started like in March 2020 for like the three months and then I stopped because I was dealing with all that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So during that time, I took a break. And then about a year ago, I started to do TikTok again. And at first it was kind of like a joke, like, OK, I remember the first TikTok I did and it was just kind of what did it say? It said my first baby dad didn't count. That was just to see if I could get pregnant. And it went. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just a joke. And I was at work. I was like, let me just do this little silly dance. And it went viral. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Then I started to say more things that I would usually say just on a regular basis. Or Then I started to tell my story. I saw so many women resonate and I started to grow. And I was like, what? I didn't know that so many people went through the exact same thing. But, yeah. you know, you know, narcissistic people, they're very textbook. So, mm -hmm. I start to see like, wow, so many people resonate with this. Yeah. So I start to tell it more and more. And, and you know, I try to diversify. I don't want to just talk about that, you know, on my platform. Mm -hmm. But I do dabble into it. And it just became a part of my story. And, and has your ex or the family seen any of it? And what are the thoughts? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I was on a call with my lawyer. My lawyer was like, yeah, so we had a discussion and his lawyer said that you know, he's upset about your TikToks and that you're saying that he's a deadbeat dad. And I was like, I never said that, actually. Those words but that's never accurate. <laughs> but that never came out of my mouth. That's interesting. I've actually never written that on there. But OK, you know, 
You're like, that's your internal projection going exactly. on. Exactly. All right. <laughs> exactly. And I actually made a TikTok about that. When your lawyer tells you that. <laughs> it's just like, hey, this is just content. Right. This is great. And it's funny. And it's like. But there's yeah. nothing they can do about it. You there's know? nothing. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying any names. I'm not. Obviously, the people in my life who know right. me personally know exactly who it is. And yeah, it is what it is. But and, rule of thumb, like if you don't want to be spoken about badly, fucking behave better. Do good, right? If you and I remember, I think like when he finally got to talk to me, he was like, you know, not everybody needs to know our business. And I'm like, don't talk about anything that has to do. It's my platform. Yeah. If you are so concerned you should have been a better person like yeah i'm just telling people my experience not to expose you that's not my place right but that's not my purpose right my purpose is to now i am in my purpose i feel like i'm still on my healing journey mm-hmm. i'm still healing from that because I like bet. you said like it was a long period of time yeah and a part of that is just me telling my story like you have to talk about these things. You yeah. have to open up. You can't bottle these things up inside. It's bad for your health, actually. Mm-hmm. I agree. So did I get pushback from his family? I mean, I don't talk to any. They're all blocked. Good. So not all of them, girl. the immediate family. Yeah. Because I still talk to the family out on the outside of the immediate family. They actually reached out to me and was apologizing on their behalf, mm. which is something they have yet to do. Right. Right. The immediate family. Right. So that was very big for me because I'm like, wow, look at the humility that they have. Yeah. Right. Mm. So and it was nice to have that. Cause yeah. They didn't have to side with me. They said, no, what's right is right. And what's wrong is wrong. And they're wrong. And they, yeah, they're just continuing the cycle. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. If you could tell everybody listening one thing, if people are healing from something like this, what would it be? Wow. If you're healing from something like this, don't be hard on yourself. Mm. I think we're so hard on ourselves and making the right decision for ourselves and doing something that you're supposed to do to be on your path to heal from these experiences. Be gentle with yourself. Yeah. And don't give yourself a timeline. Like, I think one of the main things is like, how long does it take? Right. It's like, don't give yourself a timeline. Just do what you need to do for yourself. Start doing things that make you happy. Self-love cocktail. I love that. (laughs) I actually have a note in. I'm like, this is what makes me. I I did the self-love cocktail. Oh, God. Thank you. Yeah. And and start doing those things. Yeah. And have some grace with yourself. I think that's such a great piece of advice. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online to start devouring some of this awesome content that you have? (laughs) You're so sweet. You can find me at Persia Bella at all handles. So, P-E-R-S-I-A-B-E-L-L-A. That's Persia Bella for TikTok, which is my main platform right now. And Instagram. And I'm starting to do more YouTube, but I need to do more of that. You can also email me because I do have my domestic violence certification to be a specialist. So I do talk to people sometimes. Oh, amazing. I get messages from women every single day all over the world. And like I said, like, that's when I say when I'm in my purpose, like, I actually go talk to young girls, too, in foster care. Mm, so just to just spread awareness about this and, like, show people how to yeah. love yourself, self-awareness, self-love. You know, that's my purpose. Yeah. So if you want to reach me, you can reach me at persiabellala at gmail.com. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you just for being here and for I I know this type of stuff is not fun to rehash, but I know spreading your story is going to empower so many people to know that 
even if it's not right now, they can make that choice in the future to get out and get some yes. help and heal. Yes. And that is the goal. Yeah. Thank you for being thank here. You. Thank you. I appreciate you. Oh, I want to thank Persia so much for coming on and sharing her story with us. I know recounting those things that you have been through in your life was not easy, girl. And I appreciate you coming on the show to spread some light on how you got out. I'm so glad that you are now on your healing journey. And again, I'm really honored that I played a small part in that. I hope that when you guys listen to this episode, you know, I thankfully have never been in a relationship that was physically violent. I've been in an emotionally abusive relationship, but never a physical one that got to those extremes. But I do know how scary it is to wake up and realize that you're caught in any type of toxic situation where you're afraid and don't know how you ended up there. So I hope listening to this episode, whether you've been in those types of situations or you haven't, you now can start to empathize with the people that have gone through it and know that when if you have a friend or a family member that is in it, that it's a lot more complicated than it might seem to us looking in on the outside when we would want to say, just leave. Like, it's so simple. Um, A lot of times it isn't that simple. And I hope if you are going through something like this, this episode gave you some inspiration and some hope that you can get out and that there is another side and it's absolutely beautiful. You just need to find the right support system to make those jumps. Next week, we are having a really fun but really informative episode. So if you are heartbroken, have been heartbroken, need any type of heartbreak recovery, this is going to be the episode for you. Don't miss it. I will see you guys next week. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatprayfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.